I kind of always said this from back in the day before the mirrorless cameras came on, but if you saw the action, you missed the shot. So that means basically, if you're watching through your viewfinder and you see them, you see the action go down and it's the perfect shot, but you saw it, then you missed the shot, right? Because you're looking through the viewfinder and as you click, it should click right at the peak of that shot. So yeah, I'm actually missing, missing a lot of the action in real life time, but I'm getting it in my camera. The crowd roars as the action swells to a crescendo. Whether it's race car drivers sprinting towards the finish line, or a snowboarder taking to the skies on an epic jump. There's always someone outside the field of play, watching intently and just as stressed. For a sport photographer, that decisive moment can come and go in a fraction of a second. And all of it, your day's work, or even your career, hinges on the press of a button. Freezing a moment in time is what simultaneously makes photography such a simple yet difficult art form. Simple, push a button. Difficult, be able to do it at the right time and be able to do it consistently. Bowbridge has started his professional photography career at the deep end shooting action sports. With companies and athletes depending on him to get the shot, there was so much more that went into it Going back to the days of film, pre-planning was no joke. They often say, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. For Bo, it was always the case. Bo's initial format of film didn't allow for a lot of room for error. Over or underexposed more than a third of a stop and consider your efforts wasted. Knowing the limitations, a certain energy and a friendly demeanor are all part of the Bow Bridges package. It spans a large body of work, starting in his early days, shooting everything from action sports, like the first ever freestyle motocross backflip, to Kobe Bryant, and Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. Now, photography was an early passion for Bow. His grandfather had his own dark room in his basement, while it was his mum who put his first camera in his hands. First, the first camera I shot on was a Ricoh. My mom got it for me and uh, I was in college, I believe. From the time I started, I had a whole collection. I used to have them on my, hanging on the walls in the gallery in Hermosa. And when I got pinched in between that gallery and this gallery, I put them all in storage and it was a, it was a friend's storage and someone took them all. So I lost all my camera collection and uh, bummed about that, but they were all film cameras. It was kind of neat. They were just hanging on. Every pillar had a different camera. Right after college, Bo moved out to one of the snow sport capitals of the United States, Vail, Colorado. There, he honed his craft shooting sequences all on film. A limited number of exposures meant you often spent just as much time reloading as you did shooting. And then around 2000, I was big into the sequences at the time, a lot of snowboard, ski, and wakeboard sequence stuff. So I was shooting, you know, you, you could basically get a, two sequences in one roll of film. So you had a 36 exposure, and you would, uh, you'd have to change film after every, every two sequences. And it was like you had these eight frames that were wasted usually or whatever it was, depending on how long the sequence was. 
And I was like, man, what a waste of film. So I started rolling my own film, trying to get 40, 40 frames inside of the, inside of the can- canister holder. And, uh, I'd get, I'd get about three, three sequences. The inconvenience of film was even more pronounced with water sports. When you ran out of film... You had to swim all the way back to shore. Same with wakeboarding. I was doing a ton of water wakeboard stuff in the tube. Or I was doing, I'd wakeboard with them, kind of hold the camera in between my arms, get up. Once I was up, I could move with them and shoot. And the same thing there, I'd get two sequences in. I'd have to like go back to the boat, take out the whole back. And at the time, it was all Allen wrench. I'd do every single one round and round like a tire and then take the back off and you dry your hands off. I mean, it was like a whole process to get a sequence. These technological limitations had a very obvious effect on Bo's work. It meant needing to know his craft inside and out. It's not like the modern day camera that allows you multiple outs if you screw up, thanks to increasingly robust RAW files. The Sunny 16 rule is arguably something most modern-day non-film shooters will not know. For Bo, this was religion. But I did learn my exposures, so I didn't have to use a light meter because a lot of times you don't have time to like bust out the light meter. Here he comes! Like he was like, bam! You need to nail the shot. So there's a Sunny 16 rule. Back in the film day, it was like use uh, it was f16 at 1:25 shutter speed. And that was the closest to 100 ISO. So anything changed, you did incrementally. But if you went F16, 125, and you went up, 250, F11, 500, F8, 1000, 5.6. Those are like go-to settings. Anytime the sun was uh, between like 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. The clear parameters in place forced any photographer of the film era to really know the exposure relationship between apertures, shutter speeds, and ISO to create their intended final product. Sun was to your back, you're shooting your subject, you could nail your exposure every single time. So I kind of, and still the day, I can like turn my camera on and pretty much nail the exposure without looking at my exposure or without doing anything. I can just kind of look at the, look at the light, look at the surroundings and guesstimate what I want to set my exposures in camera, even with digital, and then nail the shot. For Bo, his efforts would land him his first gig shooting for the high-end ski brand Spider. He was flown out to Whistler, British Columbia, after getting recognized for some earlier work shooting for the US free ski team. They had seen a photo of mine that I'd shot previously that spring in Vail of the US free skiing open and I shot J.P. Eau Claire really tight. And that's a big no-no in action sports usually, is shoot tight, no lip, you know, not showing the bottom, how high they are. Especially skate, skate, snowboarding, they're always like, don't do it, you know, you gotta like show where they are and where they came from and tell that story. And I remember I hiked up pretty far with a long lens and I shot this super clean, super tight shot of J.P. inverted, just so styly, grabbing a ski like, hand completely upside down and it's just this like perfect frame and I always learn like shoot everything tight in frame. While legends such as the now deceased J.P. Orclair provided inspiration, Bo provided his own style that pushed against the norm of what action sports photography entailed. Think about, you know, that's the composition. 
you shoot what you want. You're not cropping and post like you do now. You want, you want to nail it all in that one frame. So I shot it vertically and I just lined them up and it was like this perfect, perfect frame of JP. And uh, it went editorial, but it also, I showed it to Spider. They loved it. Bo began to push a different kind of storytelling. It was no longer about scale, but more about style and the writer's inherent grace. At that level, especially now, like guys are so styly, I feel like you don't need to show where they came from, where they went. I know it's important, but people know who it is. They're that good. They're not two feet above the ground. You know, people are like, well, it doesn't show if they're two or 10 feet or 20 feet. Like you need to know. But for me, I feel like there's a whole nother style behind these athletes that some people don't see because these shots are wide angle and they're pulled back and they're trying to show the whole story. And sometimes like I want to show like that perfect stalefish grab or like just the finesse. As Bo began to collect experience and trust, he became his harshest critic. Growing up, he was familiar with the act of competing, but in photography, it became more of an internal battle with himself. You have to be hyper-confident and skilled to make it in the world of action sports. When things are live, you can't second guess if you're standing in the right place. You start to put in your homework. Some people scout locations. Bo scouts the athlete. But there's a lot, to, there's a lot of moving parts and, and for sports, you know, if I go shoot something like the X Games or I'm shooting half pipe, I'm looking to see which way one the rider rides, goofy regular, same with skate, any sport really. And I need to know which side they're gonna drop in on. They're gonna drop in on the right side switch, they're gonna drop in on the left side regular, and which wall they're gonna hit first, and then second, and I kinda like learn those lines. And then eventually after I watch their practices, I know which wall is gonna be a banger trick. So how did Bo prepare to capture some of action sports' most iconic moments? Like Kerry Hart's first ever backflip, Travis Pastrana's double backflip, Deegan's like first ever like off axis 360. Like all those I thought about where I want to be, where they were going to hit, where they were going to land. I want to show all that and I want to shoot a sequence. So I was pre-focusing, I was setting my apertures, I was setting like depth of field, like it's shallow depth of field, what, what lens I want to use. I just did it all before they got there. When you're working highly coveted events, you're rubbing shoulders with some of the world's best photographers. Each are jostling for their shot. Then there's that part that you can't control. It's not in your hands. It's about timing. You know, I think in the film days, when Kerry Hart did his first ever backflip, there must have been, I don't know, 50 to 100 photographers lined up. And I knew about it before because I was shooting him in the morning for a lifestyle piece, so I knew he was gonna do the backflip. And all of a sudden, well, so I thought I had this in, right? I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this shot, it's gonna be great. I was setting up for it, I got my angle. And all of a sudden they announced, something big's gonna go down. Everyone out here knows the impact this will have on the sport of freestyle motor. And Kerry Hart's probably gonna try the first ever backflip right over here. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And sure enough, all it was like, <laughs> everyone moved in for the shot. And I had all these photographers all around me. And somehow, some way, I was the only one that got the whole sequence. I think because people thought he was coming in and he was gonna test it again or something, he was kind of like in first gear, and he kind of hit it and then threw it quick and pinned it. 
And I think people thought he was just coming in for a test because he came in so slow. So no one really shot it. But somehow I did and got the whole sequence and it worked out. The pressure of shooting the world's elite isn't easy at all. But the fact Bo had mastered the action sports world meant he could enter any pressure cooker situation. It translated well into shooting outside of action sports, such as lifestyle and commercial shoots with high-profile celebrities. In the commercial advertising world, where you get somebody like Kobe Bryant or you get somebody like big name who comes in, you're supposed to have an hour with them, 30 minutes, you end up with 10 minutes of their time and you gotta get 13 different shots. My background in, in the world of action sports helps me shoot fast and like knock out the shots without really overthinking it. You know, if you don't keep up with that speed and the momentum of digital, like some photographers I know just never quite grasped it, grasped the digital age and they, they literally fell behind and they lost jobs. And, you know, they did, I don't know if they're still in the photography profession, but I know a couple that didn't make it. There's been a wave of photographers of a previous generation that was slow to adopt digital cameras. In turn, they were left in the dust amongst their peers who are open-minded to technological innovation. Many grew disgruntled at the increased competition, the lack of skin in the game for new photographers, and of course, the countless hours they put into the darkroom. Film always had a big place in Bo's heart, yet he never liked the pitch black nature of the color processing approach. With black and white, that's a true art. Like I live for the black and white darkroom. I stayed in there all day, all night in college. I would never come home. Like I'd go out sometimes to the bars and go straight back to the darkroom, little buzz on, I'd start processing my film, roll my film, like I'd stay there all night and just process and just sit in there and play with my dodging and burning and like the chemicals. And I'd be all by myself in there, music cranked up. Eventually, digital cameras became more acceptable replacements for their analog counterparts, and Bo made the jump. Nobody debates the fact that widespread adoption of photography and the proliferation of the camera on your phone has changed things. You can give a modern camera to a child and there's a chance they'll snap a nice photo. This hasn't necessarily phased Bo. After all, as his process suggests, there's so much behind the scenes work to get you to a successful place. You can be the best photographer in the world and there's so many great photographers out there, but if you're not getting that work in front of the right people, then you're not really progressing and going anywhere. And then there's a lot to be said about how you work with individuals and how you show up and deal with a production on a larger stage and an audience because everyone's watching you work. And if you're not entertaining your client, entertaining your subject matter, and keeping your entire like crew happy, things fall apart real quickly. In theory, it seems innovative and of the moment to hire social media stars to shoot a brand's latest campaign. But so many other unforeseen interactions take place. You know, so there's a professional level that you have to like adhere to in a way that it's not gonna always work for everyone. Like some people might be like the quiet, shy, like I'm just gonna shoot this beautiful photo and they get it. But when they show up with the client, the client's like, little, little dull moments here, like things aren't working out. This isn't progressing like we'd like it to. 
So I feel like there's a lot to be learned on the, on the advertising and the professional side of the business side of photography. But the reality begins to set in when certain photographers, while creatively talented, lack the ability to conduct professional shoots alongside a creative brief. Bo's ability to ease a situation or create a certain interaction with a subject was in part due to interactions he had to force living all around the world. I've moved, 20, I've lived 24 places around the world. So it was like every two years we were moving and I had to make new friends, try new sports, I had to infiltrate wherever it was I was going, I had to try to fit in. So whether I liked it or not, I had to make new friends and start learning about what they like. So from that background, again, I've learned to, you know, pick up on what people are talking about and listen to where they're from because I have a lot of things I can relate to in terms of like, you know, oh, you're from Tokyo? I can, I've been to Tokyo like four times. I've been in Japan or I've been to like Montgomery, Alabama or I live in Switzerland or Sydney or all these places. You need to know what they do. And in order to do that, you got to go out. In a time where we're so consumed by things in front of our screen, Bose found great value just by interacting with the individuals in real life. It's so important to still get out there and meet people because without that, you're just not gonna get very far. And you can show people your portfolio and you can like send them a postcard. But for me, it's still important to go and get a handshake and look them in the eye and, and hear what they have to say and talk about what I wanna do or get creative in this like circle of whatever it is we wanna talk about. But you know, I, I think it's like above and beyond, that's where I still wanna be. An eventual balance needs to be struck for one to make things happen. Sometimes you've just got to leave things to chance. In a weird way, you gotta solicit yourself without overpowering, overbearing whoever it is, but you gotta like let people know what you've got. All too often, people see a great shot and ask, hey, what camera's that? In a world where tools have become a point of obsession, it should be known that it doesn't mean all that much. So much occurs inside the mind of a photographer and the ability to accurately predict what will happen. As is the story of Bo Bridges, there's a lot more success than what's in your hands the minute you fire off that shutter.